Good evening, everyone. This is Melody Griffith. And Miles Briette. And we're here with our podcast, Joy for Miles and Melody. We are discussing Forster's book, Joy for the World, and our names are Miles and Melody, hence our title, Joy for Miles and Melody. How are you doing yep. tonight, Miles? I'm doing all right. You know, just plugging away with schoolwork and uh, trying to get through the semester while trying not to get COVID-19. <laughs> How are you? Right. <laughs> Pretty much the same. It was kind of a crazy week, and I'm preparing for my senior recital, so that's awesome. Yep, everything's um, so coming we, to a close. I, yeah, crazy. <laughs> I'm graduating in a little over a month. Yep, that's great. <laughs> um, so we introduced ourselves in our last episode, but we wanted to just say a little tiny bit of trivia about ourselves. What's your tiny piece of trivia, Miles? My tiny piece of trivia is uh, one of my hobbies is indoor bouldering which is like indoor rock climbing, but without a harness. So it's not as dangerous. You know, it's something fun that I like to do. Well, what's at the bottom of those rocks? Super so soft pads. pads. They're awesome to fall on. Fun. That sounds awesome. Yep. So well, if you fall, my... it's, it's like a reward. <laughs> oh, cool. Well, that's, yeah. that's a great thing. <laughs> How about you? Yeah, so my tiny piece of trivia is that I really love escape rooms, and mm. I love creating escape rooms, and yesterday we had our MWPA retreat, and so I created this giant, like, escape room-based scavenger hunt for our entire department, which is over 70 people. Yeah, it's So good. that was pretty cool. That's, yeah. all, that's awesome. All right, Miles. So we are talking about Greg Forster's book, Joy for the World, and specifically in this podcast, the second section, Let Earth Receive Her King. That's right. So this section covers chapters three through five of the book. So we're going to go through chapter by chapter and kind of give just the main point of each chapter. So chapter one is... Um, what's the title of that, Miles? Uh, the chapter is Doctrine, colon, Teaching and Preaching. Right, exactly. So the main point of that chapter is that preaching must infuse God's word into the lives of the congregants. Do you want to expand right. on that a little bit? Yeah, so in this chapter, like you said, it's infusing into God's people. Um, a big point that Greg Forster is always stressing is the individual Christians walk um, with Christ and then how their life from that walk with God influences culture. Um, and the need for teaching and preaching for a Christian is very high because that's, that's a way that the spirit of God works in each individual. Um, and that's, that's what he talks about in this chapter. Great. So then chapter two, which is titled devotion, colon, worship and spiritual formation. And the main point of that is regeneration frees us from guilt and fear. Right. And this is like what we had in our discussion post. You remember, I think it was last week talking about how the gospel liberates us from a lot of these, these uh, slaveries that we can jump into. Um, he talks in this chapter about how man-made religion tries to fix our natural. Well, it's not natural in the sense that this is the way God created us, but it's how we are because of our fall. Um, we have a guilt before God and we have a fear of 
not having security because we're not secure before God. And in the chapter, he talks about how the gospel frees us from those, that guilt before God and that fear. Right. And that is such an important point. And we will definitely be talking more about that later. Yep. And then the fifth chapter, which is called Stewardship, Calling, and Discipleship. And the main point of that chapter is, cult, uh, sorry, good stewardship is cultivating the blessings out of the salvation order. Can I expand a little right. on that? Sure, I'll do it again. Uh, this chapter is really, really focusing on how we live our lives um, in the sense of like our calling and in the, a couple other, you know, classes like calling can be, you know, used in different ways by Christians. Um, but our calling really how we are interacting with the world and how our redemption in Christ is. I don't really want to say the word fixing, but that's the only thing that's coming to mind. How Fixing how we interact with culture and how we influence culture. Um, I'll read a quote. He says, practicing good stewardship in all of life is as critical to the joy of God as doctrine and devotion. It's not only what you what you know. Um, from the word of God or what you do in your private life, but also what you do outside in the culture. Great. Great. Thank you. Let's move into our takeaway section for the podcast now. Is that all right with you, Melody? Sounds great. Right. So Melody and I went through um, our individual takeaways and we agreed on some takeaways that we think are important for the podcast and important for other people to draw from the book. Um, our first takeaway uh, has to do with heart change. It's demonstrated by life change and loving God and being obedient to him. Um, there's no, there's no like real heart change if your life doesn't follow it. And in the Bible, we're commanded to love God first. I know you were saying that a lot, Melody, that we have to love God first. And then that just, that is demonstrated by how we love others, of course, and it demonstrates a real heart change. Right. I thought it was really interesting how uh, Forster said um, that because the first commandment is love you, love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your mind, uh, that obedience to God starts with loving him. I'd never heard anyone say that before, and I thought that was really cool. Um, so I'm going to read a quote from the book. He says, if you don't love God, your attempts at obedience are really just selfishness. You're greedy for the blessings that only God can bestow, and you want to be a spiritual mercenary, selling your obedience to God in exchange for the goodies he can give you. Likewise, if you don't know for sure whether you have God's favor, you won't be able to escape from the fear of punishment, the need to sell your obedience to God in exchange for his favor. This kind of obedience isn't really obedience at all because love love me and trust me is the first moral law God wants us to obey. God doesn't hire mercenaries. I thought that was just so interesting because so many people, so many people try to obey God. Like that's what a lot mm -hmm. of people think Christianity is, is just obeying a list of rules. But if it doesn't start with a love for God and salvation, it really is just any other religion. Yep. Yeah. I mean, that's the big difference between Christianity and every other religion. Like it starts, you know, with you being saved and then the works follow. 
Right. Um, and in, in chapter five, he draws from scripture, like the need for regeneration and then sanctification. Like we will love God if we're saved. And like, it's, it starts with loving God that we're, you know, our hearts are really changing. Right. Exactly. I, I think it's so cool that like within Christianity, outside Christianity, you, you love or you obey God in an effort to make it to him, like an effort to get to yeah. God. But within Christianity, God's already come down to us. So then we obey him out of our love for him, not because we're trying to get anything out of it. Yep. We already have that salvation. And then everything that follows is just from, you know, an obedience to our, our loving God. Right. That's so freeing. So that was our first takeaway. Uh, our second takeaway comes from uh, the fourth chapter on devotion, worship, and spiritual formation. Um, it's, it's the takeaway that our ultimate peace of mind um, in relation to digni dignity or our worth and security, um, that peace of mind can only come from God. Uh, and I'll just read a couple like little little sentences that, that Forster writes in this chapter. He says that by nature, people are predisposed to use religion as a cloak for sin. They know in their hearts that they're guilty and judged, so they crave things that give them a sense of righteousness. They crave false dignity and false security. Nothing will do that for you like religion. Uh, in, this, in this world, we use false religion to fill that 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 fear and, and guilt that we have before God because we're, we're fallen before him. Um, he says again, our slavery to sin makes us miserable. Uh, we suffer from guilt and we suffer from fear knowing that, you know, it, it would all, it'll all end. And that's what, that's what Solomon says. Um, that without God, it's, it's all useless, but the gospel is what frees us from that. It liberates us from that. And we can trust that God, um, that God has us. Uh, he says a little later in the chapter, obviously created beings can find security only in their creator. In a universe that is under God's control, the only ultimate peace of mind comes from having God's favor. Uh, and I think that's a really important takeaway. And it, it can, that's really like applicable across the board in our faith. We need to trust in God for our peace of mind in our daily lives. Yeah, I think this is so such an important point. And I wanted to read one more small quote from this chapter. He says, natural religion, religion that isn't made by the Holy Spirit, consists of man-made goods and services that help people alleviate the misery of their slavery to guilt and fear by providing false dignity and security. That actual slavery isn't alleviated, but the misery is temporarily. And I, yeah. I think that's a really important point because I see people doing this all the time, you know, both, both with other religions, but also, you know, with man-made things, not necessarily consider religions, but at this point in kind of a very secular culture that we live in kind of have taken on religious, religious significance, whether that be like I don't know, a diet that people are following religiously or <laughs> yeah. some political cause. I mean, honestly, I see this all the time 
with political causes that people are like, if they just do the right thing, if I just like give up using all plastics, I will be a good person or, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> but I'm not, I'm not, yeah. um, I'm not saying that giving up using plastic is a bad thing by any means, but right, right, right. But when people <laughs> put religious significance in it, um, I, I see that all the time is that's how they're trying to be a good person and assuage their guilt, which is built in because they're sinners. Yeah. I think uh, a very uh, hidden uh, form of this, you know, seeking man-made religion is, um, is really with a lot of mainstream Christianity. Like folks will say they go to church or say they're Christians, but only go to church for like Easter or Christmas and say that they live a moral lifestyle, but they're really only trusting in themselves because they're not living a Christian life. Um, that's not to say that, you know, people who don't go to church, aren't living a Christian life, but you see in the rest of their life. Um, I know a lot of people that say they're Christians, they don't live a good lifestyle, but they still claim, uh, they say they're Christians. And it's very interesting to see that they don't have that life change. They don't even have the faith that, um, the Bible says, you know, we have, mm -hmm. they don't have that peace of mind. Um, and it's, it's amazing to see like a man-made religion going under the name of Christianity. Yeah. I think I, I see this all the time. Well, from non-Christians, but also just like the, the mainstream idea of what Christianity is, is mm -hmm. like any other religion that you're following a list of rules to make you right before God. And they miss out. Yeah. I mean, some, some people get this, but a lot of people don't that the main tenet of Christianity is that, we don't have to reach God because God reached down to us and he sent Jesus to save us from our sin. And so we don't have to do that work of saving ourselves. We then obey the Bible out of love for Jesus and gratitude for what he did for us. Yep. And when I've talked to people like at work outside of Christian circles, it's almost like I have to explain to them what Christianity really is. It's like, no, I'm not obeying so that I'm saved. I am saved. I'm doing this you know, because this is just how Christianity really is. And it just goes against their perception of what the faith is like um, because they're, they're outside of it. Sure. All right. So that was our second major takeaway. Now moving on to our third major takeaway. And that is, this is what I think is such a good point And one that I've never really heard articulated before, but that our, understanding of our relationship with God is influenced by the culture. Um, and so I'm going to read a quote from the book. He says, human beings are formed by the, their civilizations. And this is especially true when our relationships work. Our sense of what is appropriate in a relationship cannot help but be formed by the civilization in which we are reared. Thus, since the worship service is an expression of our relationship with God, it will necessarily reflect our civilizational formation. God doesn't mind that. It's how he made us. Hmm. And then he goes on to talk about how people who are raised in different cultures or even different places, subcultures of America have different understandings of what service should look like. And that that's okay, and that's actually a good thing. And I think that's just such a great point because this is this is very personal for me because 
uh, when I was a kid, my, my family was very involved in a small church and we got a new pastor who came in and started making a lot of changes to how the church was running. And we had a major church split disaster that happened with that. Mm. And honestly, it was because people couldn't decide about what kind of music we wanted, whether we wanted, I'm not kidding, whether we wanted chairs or pews in the sanctuary. Um, people were leaving the church over that stuff. And I, so I think this is really important to understand that different people relate differently to God through the different forms, whether we have contemporary music or, you know, hymns or in church, different people worship in different ways based on their cult, how they were brought up. And that's okay. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And Forrester even talked about um, how he, like when he goes into a cathedral, he's so overawed by the amazing architecture that he like forgets about God. And, but when I go into a cathedral, it, really helps me um, connect emotionally to God, which is something that I need because my relationship with God tends to be very intellectual. Mm. So just the, the way that different, you know, cultural things can affect different people's worship and relationship to God. I, I thought that was really interesting. It's such a great point. And I yeah. wish I really wish we talked about this more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think uh, it's really important to recognize that our culture does inform how we worship God, uh, not necessarily in a a sinful versus righteous way, but just mm-hmm. that it's different. Um, I think the music thing is really a big one in America. I mean, even at our school, you know, people are like, oh, man, I just wish we would sing hymns. And then other people are like, no, hymns suck. And it's like they just divide over this. But I mean, it's an expression of like how you were brought up or how you were raised and what you believe is your, you know, most reverent way of worshiping God and what, you know, you believe is right. Um, There is a there's a quote on page 151. Uh, He says, the idolization of individual choice in our society may tempt us to reduce the worship service to a consumer product. And I think that's a bad influence of how our culture can um, inform our worship services. Because in America, we're a very consumeristic society. So I think that is a bad expression of our culture and how it influences our worship services when we make it a product. Right. I, th- I think we tend just as people we tend to think whatever works for us that's going to work for everyone else and that should work for everyone else and that's the right thing yeah that doesn't normally work Uh, out all the time in my family growing up like whatever that there's one certain family family member whatever their preference is suddenly also becomes god's preference (laughs) (laughs) but yeah it's really important to understand that people come at their relationship from god from different places and that's okay that's a good thing yeah So those were our three takeaways. Uh, Now we've got to close out. We're going to give a couple applications that we drew from our reading uh, the past couple weeks. So first application, we need to pursue our spiritual growth uh, by finding biblical preaching and teaching. Uh, This is really a key way that the spirit of the Lord works in the individual lives of Christians. So we need to be pursuing 
the Bible and our preaching and our teaching that we're sitting under and the authority of our churches so that we can pursue righteousness and influence the culture through our individual walk. The second application is like a, a magnification of the first one. We need to know God in his word. Um, we can only know about salvation clearly from his word. We can't just trust what other people say. We need to know what God says in his word so that we can rest in his salvation. We can rest in his arms. Yeah. And our third application, which is drawn from our third uh, major point was um, so about what we were talking about, people relating to God through different cultural understandings. And I think the application there is just to be understanding with people. And I know as Christians, we don't like to use the word open-minded, but I really think being open-minded about the ways that people approach God and approach a worship service and realizing that there is not one right way or one best way, because everyone does have a little bit different relationship with God and that's okay. That's the way he made us. So just being understanding with our fellow Christians. Mm -hmm. And that about wraps up this episode, I think. So um, thank you again, Miles, for cutting this all together. My very non-techy self really appreciates that. <laughs> um, and we are Miles and Melody with Joy for Miles and Melody. Thank you for listening. <laughs>